the Grinch. What we just witnessed is the Grinch who wanted to steal the Christmas presents and stop the celebration of Christmas in Whoville. He was an imaginary character for those of you who may not know. But today we're going to talk about somebody who was meaner than mean old Mr. Grinch. His name was King Herod. And he was real, not imaginary. And he wanted to do something far, far, far worse than stealing presents or stopping celebration of Christmas. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to slaughter the Jesus Christ of Christmas. Not steal presents. That would be bad enough. Not stop the celebration. That would be bad too. He didn't care about that. He wanted to murder, to kill, to slaughter baby Jesus, the Christ of Christmas. We've seen in our series how the shepherds came to baby Jesus and they worshipped him. They brought the best that they had, which was their words of praise and their words of song, and they worshipped Jesus. They were followed by the wise men who came, and they were wealthy men, so they brought the best that they had, gifts that had great value, gold and myrrh and frankincense. And by the way, when we come to worship Jesus, just bring your best. Whatever you got, bring what you got and bring the best that you got. And worship him. That's all that he ever asked for. Whether you be a shepherd or a wise man, bring your best. Well, Herod wanted to worship Jesus too. He wanted to worship Jesus by killing him. By shedding the blood of the innocent babe. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn, please, to Matthew chapter 2. I want us to read just a few scriptures together to set the tone for the message. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You're a mean one, King Herod. Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. They said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have followed his star from the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things spoken of by the Magi, the wise men, he was greatly troubled, agitated, volatile, angry, and he stirred up all of Jerusalem with him. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, because they did not return to him as he told them to, was exceedingly angry, violently angry. And he sent forth his soldiers and he murdered all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof 
from two year old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. King Herod, he's part of the Christmas story. Let me tell you a little history about him. Everyone who studies him in history determined that he was an insecure narcissist. There's nothing worse than to be an insecure narcissist. He was insecure about his position. He was the king for 40 years, yet he was insecure about his position. He was insecure about his person. He was suspicious. He was paranoid about anyone and everyone who entered his life. He was insecure. He was a narcissist, full of himself, and yet insecure in himself. He was a very brutal man. He was a very violent man because of his insecurities and his narcissism. And he perceived most people to be a threat to his crown, to be a threat to his throne. And when he prayed that perception, he killed you. He killed his brother-in-law. He murdered his brother-in-law because he thought his brother-in-law wanted what was his and that was the kingship. He murdered his mother-in-law. Did away with her because he perceived she was a threat. He murdered his own children. His own children. He murdered them because he thought they wanted his throne. He murdered his own wife. Because he perceived she was plotting to take what was his, and that was that throne. Human life to King Herod, even the life of his family, meant nothing to him. Caesar Augustus said of King Herod, It is safer to be Herod's pig than his son. The implication is, his pig will live longer than his children. Josephus, a great historian, called King Herod barbaric. A murderer and a pervert, said Josephus, rolled into one. A hateful, hostile man he was. And on that Christmas, he tried to murder Jesus. He tried to murder Jesus. If it was not for God's intervention, he would have. But instead of murdering baby Jesus, he sent his soldiers on a mission to murder other babies, hoping to get Jesus in the mix. And history tells us he sent the soldiers to Bethlehem, and they murdered 25 to 30 Little boys mostly, but some little girls, in a brazen attempt to get rid of Jesus. As we gather here this morning, five days away from Christmas, King Herod is dead and in hell. That's where you go when you oppose the Lord. Not because he wants you to, you make that choice yourself. But we're going to learn something from King Herod in his story today. Actually, I'm going to teach you four lessons. 
And I hope that you'll learn them as you listen carefully this morning. Lesson number one from King Herod. You're a mean one, King Herod. You're trying to slaughter baby Jesus. Lesson number one. In King Herod, we learn a lesson on how wicked men can be. How wicked men can be. Let me give you a quick theology lesson. I know many of you think theology is boring. I'll only spend two minutes, okay? Then we'll get back to something more interesting to you. We serve a God who is three persons but one God. He's triune. He's one God, but He's three persons. He's three persons, but He's one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. They're co-equal, they're co-eternal with one another. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ. When we worship God the Son, it brings glory to God the Father. How do we worship God the Son? How do we bring glory to God the Father? Through the power of God the Spirit. God is, is a triune being. When God created us, you and I, He created us to be triune beings. We have three parts that make up our being. God has three persons that make up His being. We have three parts that make up our being. We have a body, that's the physical part. We have the spiritual part of us. And then we have what's called the soul. The soul is what I want you to think about with me. The soul and spirit are not the same thing, although we do use them interchangeably at times. Our soul, one of the three parts that God gave us when He created us, is our mind, which we think with, and our heart, which we feel with. That's our soul. It's the core of who we are. Our mind and our heart, how we think, what we think, how we feel, what we feel, is the core of who we are. Our thoughts and our feelings that come from our mind and our heart, our soul, determine our behavior. Are you still with me? What you think is what you do. What you feel is what you do. Out of your thoughts, out of your feelings, in your mind and heart, your soul, comes your behavior. And the Bible says, listen to me carefully, the Bible says that our minds are dark and foolish and our hearts are deceptive and wicked. That's true for every single one of us here today. Do you got that? God created you. But because of sin, our minds are dark and foolish. Our hearts are deceptive and wicked. Because of that, we are capable of doing some of the most horrendous things imaginable to one another. How do you think Jack the Rippers become Jack the Rippers? You think Jack the Ripper just woke up one day and said, I'm going to roam through the streets of London, England, and I'm going to brutally murder any woman I can get my hands on. Do you think that just happened one day? You think Adolf Hitler just woke up one day and said, I think I'm going to 
go ahead and slaughter six million Jewish people. I'm going to exterminate them, annihilate them from the face of this earth because I don't like the way they look and I don't like the race of people they are. You think Osama bin Laden just woke up one day and said, I'm going to attack America. I'm going to choose 9-11 to do it. I'm going to Pearl Harbor America. Take the lives of thousands of people. Vlad Dracula of Romania. You think he just sat up one day and said, how can I execute people in a torturous way where I can enjoy it? Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, serial murderers, serial perverts. How did they become that way? Because they were born that way. They were born with dark, foolish minds, deceptful, wicked hearts. You understand that? That's how King Herod became King Herod. That's how he could murder hundreds of people and not battle I. Even his own family he could murder and not care. He could even murder innocent babies, slaughter them, pour their blood out on the streets, their mothers screaming. Care less. Can I add a couple more to my list of people whose minds are dark and foolish and whose hearts are deceptive and wicked? Not just Jack the Ripper and Adolf Hitler and Osama bin Laden and Vlad Dracula and Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy and King Herod. Can I add you? Yes, you. Miss Prim and Proper Lady, you. Handsome gentleman in that suit, you. Can I add me? Your pastor? You see, every one of us are born with minds and hearts that are hateful and hostile to God and to others. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for being raised in certain environments, we could be just like that. Because it's in us. Do you know It's in you. It's in me. If not for God's grace, we could be just like them. That's scary, isn't it? But it's true. What can we learn from Herod? We can learn the darkness, the depravity the destructiveness, the deadliness, the damnation, sorry, that lives inside of us. And all of us. Second lesson. In this story, we learn that we're just like King Herod in so many ways. We just don't carry it as far as he carried it. But also, I want us to see something else. In the story, lesson number two, we see why the Lord Jesus had to be born. 
Why did the Lord Jesus have to be born? Because of who we are? Because of what we think? Because of what we feel that determines what we say and what we do and the ungodliness that it goes with it? The Lord Jesus was born to be the final Lamb of God who would come to take away the sins of the world. It's interesting that the angel, when the angel spoke to Mary, the angel said he will save his people from their sin. When the angel came to the shepherds, he announced today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The angels knew why he came. He came to die. His cradle would turn into a cross. He would become the final sacrifice for your sin and my sin and for the sin of every man, woman, boy, or girl who would ever live, including King Herod. He came to save us from our foolish minds and our wicked hearts. He came to shine light into our darkness, to bring righteousness into our wickedness, to bring life into our death, to bring heaven into our hell. That first Christmas, Jesus came to save the shepherds. He came to save the wise men. He came to save the religious leaders with all their pomp and ritualism. He came to save the politicians and the soldiers of Rome. He came to save Joseph and Mary. He came to save an innkeeper who had no room for him. And he came to save King Herod. Because all have sinned. All have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. He came to save you. You understand that? He came to save you. He came to save me. Get it down big, plain, and straight. There is only one person that God has appointed to save anybody, and that person is Jesus. Only Jesus can save us from our sins. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no other name. You say, what about Confucius? There's salvation in no other name. What about Buddha? There's salvation in no other name. What about Mohammed? There is salvation in no other name. What about Pope John, Pope whatever his name might be? There's salvation in no other name. There's only one name under heaven by which men can be saved. It's the name of Jesus. There's no other saviors. There's no other religions. It's Christ and Christ alone. It's by relationship with God through Jesus Christ that we are saved. What is salvation? It's when the Lord comes into our life and forgives us of our sin on the front end, gives us heaven on the back end, and then changes our what? What's the two things that got to be changed? Or what? Help me out. The mind, how you think. The heart, how you feel. Salvation brings the presence of the living God inside of us. 
Our body becomes the church. He lives inside of us. And when He comes in, He cleans up things. He doesn't repair things. He doesn't fix things. He doesn't make things better. He brings everything brand new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He doesn't get an old mind repaired. He gets a new mind. He doesn't get an old heart fixed. He gets a new heart. Those of you who are saved, you understand what I'm talking about. He changes the way you think. He changes the way you feel. He takes the hatred out and puts love in. He takes the darkness out and puts light in. He takes the death out and puts life in. He takes the cruelty out and puts compassion in. He takes the abuse out and puts grace and mercy in. He invades our minds. He invades our hearts. He gives us love and joy and hope and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that's the fruit of the spirit you say how do i know jesus is in my life how do i know he changed my mind and heart how do i know he forgave me of my sins how do i know he's going to take me to heaven because of what he shows you he does in you baby jesus he came to save save who king herod it's ironic that the very one he came to save wanted to kill him. Or maybe not so ironic. Lesson number three. In King Herod, we see the wickedness of a man's heart, of a man's mind, of a man's soul. How dark it can become. In the story, we see Jesus came to save Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. He can save King Herod. He could save you and me. Thirdly, in this story, verse 11 through 23, if you're going to look at your scriptures, time does not permit to read the verses. We see God's divine intervention in the life of Jesus. Do you know that God is sovereign? In other words, He does what He wants to do. Divine providence goes with His sovereignty. It means that He has a plan for what He does. And He brings that plan to pass through situations and circumstances that He will create or He will use to accomplish it. If the Lord Jesus was brought into this world to be the Lamb of God, to die for the sins of the world, to die at a place called Calvary, Galgotha's Hill, where he would be fastened to a cross, which would be the altar, so there suspended between heaven and earth, the Lamb of God without spot or blemish would shed his blood and die for you and me. If that was going to occur, Jesus could not be murdered by King Herod. Would that be correct? Y'all can say something. So God, in His providence, and the verses that are before you, works through situations and circumstances to preserve and protect His Son. 
that King Herod, though he will kill 25 to 30 other little innocent boys and girls, will not kill Jesus. How is God working? The Magi traveled for two years. The wise men traveled for two years from the east. They followed a supernatural star that was probably the star of God himself directing them to Bethlehem. They studied the scriptures and they learned from the word of God, the God of the word. And so these magi, these wise men in a caravan that probably was close to a thousand people traveled to Bethlehem. Took them two years to get there. They came to see baby Jesus. What did they bring with them? Ladies, y'all been to baby showers before. Do y'all bring gold bullion to babies? We've had a few baby showers ourselves because we've got some kids. I've never had anybody come to one of our baby showers and say, Pastor, here's a five-pound gold brick. Would you make sure your son gets it? Yeah, I sure will. <laughs> you don't bring babies gold. You don't bring babies myrrh. That's an ointment used in the embalming of bodies. It's an undertaker product. You don't bring babies frankincense. Frankincense was used in the church of that day to worship God. Why in the world did these wise men bring baby Jesus those gifts? Well, those gifts told us who he was. He was the king of kings, the Lord of lords. That was gold. Gold goes to royalty. He was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. He was humanity. He was also God Almighty. He was deity. Symbolic of the frankincense. But they also brought those gifts because the Spirit of God was working in their life to protect Jesus. You say, how did they protect Jesus? Because in those gifts were value, were worth. Joseph and Mary were poor as a church mouse. But when they were going to be sent away to Egypt, there God would protect his son Jesus. They had to have money to travel on. It costs money to stay in a motel. You can't get a room on your looks. It costs money to feed a family. People aren't going to feed you for nothing. So Joseph and Mary took the gift of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They sold it at those gifts. They got money from those gifts. That money was used by God to finance them getting to Egypt, where King Herod, who was trying to kill baby Jesus, couldn't get him. You see the providence of God at work? Did the Magi figure all that out? I don't know if they understood it all. They knew God was in it. Did Joseph and Mary have it all understand it? No, they didn't understand it all. The Bible says Mary pondered much of this stuff. She sat there and rubbed her chin and said, I just don't know what's going on. But God, moving providentially, brought the wise men at the right time. They brought the right gifts. Those gifts were used to finance the travel of the family to Egypt. They lived in Egypt off that money until the Lord would take out King Herod in one of the vilest deaths imaginable. You see, God, there's a payday one day. You can spit in God's face and mock God all you want, but there'll come a day when God will have enough is enough. 
and he had enough of King Herod. And God washed his hands of him and put him to death in one of the vilest deaths imaginable. Study it. That's the providence of God working. God was in control of everything. He was going to make sure that his plan with baby Jesus to be the Savior of the world was going to be fulfilled. And no demon, no man, no devil himself was going to stop it. What does that tell us? The God who had his hand on his son Jesus has his hand on his sons and daughters. There's no accidents in our life, ladies and gentlemen. There's no chances, there's no luck, there's no coincidence, there's no fate, there's no happenstance. Listen to me, everything that happens in your life, if you are a born-again child of God, happens for a reason, happens for a purpose. Sometimes God reveals it, sometimes He doesn't. Sometimes you can figure it out, most of the time you can't. But God is working to perfect His purpose and His plan for our life through what He's doing. God controls all things. You're not supposed to understand it. You're not supposed to figure it out. You're not supposed to debate it or defend it or explain it. Just believe it. So next time you're mad because a railroad train stopped you, think maybe God stopped you. Because if he'd have let you get through, maybe you'd be in that awful traffic accident five minutes later. You see, God knows what he's doing. We don't. I would like to say something, though, because somebody asked me a good question. When I was 21, I knew the answer. I'm 67 now. I don't know it. So, so maybe you, some of you young folks can help me. You know, I, I, just, just for the record, the older you get, the dumber you get. I don't know why I'm telling you that, cause, <laughs> but uh, it, it just seems that way. But somebody asked me a question not long ago. They didn't know I was going to preach on this, so I'm going to use their question. The question was, if God could protect baby Jesus, why didn't he protect those other 25 or 30 little boys and girls that were slaughtered by King Herod? If God took out King Herod later, why didn't God take out King Herod earlier? Y'all have an answer for that one? Why did God allow 25 children, little boys and girls, whose mothers loved them and wept over them, to die horrible deaths and yet Jesus is spared? Why did God eventually take out King Herod, but he had wait till later and not do it earlier? You know the answer? I don't know. There's many things in life we can't understand and don't try to understand. Them. Why does God do something for you and not do it for somebody else? Why does God do something for someone else and not do it for you? Why does God heal this one of cancer but this one dies of it? Why does this one go under financially and yet this one is blessed immensely financially? 
Why does God step in and save this person when we pray for him, but yet he doesn't step in and save that person? I don't know. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But in our story, we see the sovereignty and the divine providence of God at work. And then lastly, and I'm through, time's up. What do we see in all of this? We see the wickedness of a man's mind and heart, his soul. A wickedness that would drive him to do things that are unimaginable. And yet we see our own wickedness. We see why Jesus came. He came to save King Herod. He came to save you and me. To give us a new mind, a new heart. To put light where there was darkness and life where there was death. teaches us about divine providence, why, how God is at work. Even when we don't see it or understand it or can explain it, God's at work. And then lastly, we see the battle that is raging between the forces of darkness and the forces of light, between the de devil and between the Lord himself and this world that we live in. Do you know there's a spiritual war going on here? It's been going on since Adam and Eve. It's increasing, it's intensifying as the end draws near. The battle between darkness and light is coming to a climatic pinnacle. King Herod is dead, but the spirit of King Herod lives on today. And the war that was going on in the beginning is still the war going on today. The Lord who's for life is in a war against the devil who's for death. The Lord who's for truth is in a battle with the devil who's a liar. The King Herods of this world are still alive. And they're engaging you and I in battle. You say, who are these people that have the spirit of King Herod in them? Hateful, hostile people, minds that are dark, hearts that are desperately wicked. I'll tell you who they are. Abortion doctors. Barbarians that wear white suits. And kill babies in a mother's womb. They're no different than King Herod that killed babies out of the womb. In the streets of Bethlehem. Serial murderers. Serial rapists. Child abusers. Evil rulers. Thugs and punks. Smut peddlers. Crack dealers. Foul in the mouth. Religious con men. Crooked politicians. I could go on and on. They had the spirit of Herod in them. The spirit of Antichrist in them. Their minds are black. Their hearts are black. Jesus came to save them, but they don't want to be saved. And we're battling with them today. Not with guns or knives, but right here. The greatest weapon we have in this battle is our prayers. 
invoking the wisdom and power of God into situations that we're facing. Let me add, the spirit of King Herod can live in us too. Next time you're hateful and hostile, is that the spirit of the Lord? Next time you say something you shouldn't say, do something you shouldn't do, is that's not of the Lord. Where do you think it comes from? It comes from the enemy who's constantly probing our mind and heart to darken it and blacken it and cause us to think and feel things that are unimaginable that we might say and do things that are unimaginable. The battle is raging. But I got some good news for you. If you read the back of your Bible, we win. And the fact we don't win, we've already won. So, so this is like pro wrestling. It's a fixed fight. We're just going through the motions because we know who's going to win. I, some of you are whispering, did you not know that? Re wrestling is choreographed. Yeah. I broke some, I busted some of y'all's bubbles. I'm so sorry. You'll never watch wrestling the same, will you? <laughs> Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.